Your host Flem, bet on me. Powered by the amazing Rodecaster Pro. If you don't have a Rodecaster, make sure you pick up that product today. Today's free promo. Shout out the print up. It's a print shop. Potomac Mills Mall. They do fine work. I'm getting maybe seven to ten custom-made shirts uh, for the weekend. Unfortunately, uh, someone dear, close to me, uh, not a relative, but uh, close enough. Uh, this will be their uh, birthday, but they have uh, already passed. So we're going to make some custom-made shirts for... Uh, for the family, surprise them with that. Try to ease the, uh, the, uh, you know, the feelings that come with, uh, when, uh, birthdays come around and people are no longer here. But we're not here to talk about that. And we're not here to bring down the mood. But, uh, shout out to print ups. They print them up, uh, they do good work. It's not a Nubs uh, t-shirt It's not a Nubs sticker Just placed on there uh, It's good craftsmanship So Print up And we're gonna get in it today Got a gym at the end of this I'm gonna hold down the first First segment On the back end Get a real special treat. His stacks from the Stacks Lowry podcast. You can also find him quite frequently on We Talk You Listen. He's also been on this show before. And we're going to talk. Well, he's going to talk. NBA. The trade deadline is firmly upon us. Blockbuster move made Not that it blows you away But it impacts the West And it impacts well, The top 7-8 seven, 7-8 eight, seven, eight players in the league It impacts a superstar In the NBA So Stax has a Good take on Trades that have gone down. And then also, trades that are looming. We all know about the Ben Simmons and James Harden. So uh, stay tuned for that. That'll come up second segment. First half, though. I'm going to package it up for you. We are going to talk. Why exactly I think the Bengals are going to win it all. And I struggled with that all week. I didn't know who to pick, who I was really going to roll with. But the more I thought about it, I realized I'm rolling with the Bengals. I'll let you know why in a moment. 
man. Before we get out of here, I got another fun, uh, fun piece for you. We're gonna review the top rants in sports history. So these come from all four sports uh, major platforms, and we're gonna visit some of the top rants from either interviews or post-game pressers that guys gave or women. And these are rants that are going to deserve to make the list. They won't disappoint. Trust me. So thought that'd be an entertainment. Uh, I mean, an entertaining uh, spot. Not too heavy either. But we're going to start here. I want to start with this. I want to start with the, the state of the Pro Bowl. Uh, which just passed It's past Sunday And we're four days away from the Super Bowl But the state of the Pro Bowl Pro Bowl used to be an honor And I think it still is an honor to make the Pro Bowl But it's glaringly apparent It's not an honor to go to the Pro Bowl Each year you have the, the creme de la creme of the athletes uh, Of the football players just go ahead and, and passing and waving the honor of playing in that game. Because I don't think it's an honor anymore. And I, I, I firmly think a lot of players don't view it as an honor. NFL has a problem when it comes to that. They have the weakest out of all the four major sports. They have the weakest all-star exhibition. But the other sports... Have flirted with the idea of putting some type of weight on that game. And I don't even know if that would fix it. Because Stax made a good point that I mean if you if you don't play football with all your heart, it just looks bad. And that's what I was noticing watching it this year and, and years prior, but it really set in this year and uh, really made me want to come on and talk about it was just how just how bad it is now. Like, it's really a game of touch. Um, and it just had me thinking, how, how long could you just put out an inferior product and expect people to just accept it or or not even that that's not even really the gripe i have the the real question I, I that poses in my mind is how long can you trot that product out before it starts to hurt your overall major brand before it starts to hurt you that this is what you put out it's a waste of time it's a waste of the players times it's it's not entertaining it's a waste of the fans times it's a waste of everyone's time and the only reason people do it the only reason the players go is because they pay them and they incentivize it. And even that's not becoming enough. That's not becoming enough for the game to then resemble something that even matters. Once they show up, put their uniforms on, step on a blade of grass, they're getting paid. They don't have any incentives. Win winning team gets an incentive, but who cares? It's not, it's not geared to where it's competitive enough to where that matters. That the winning team gets a monetary value. NFL has to figure something out. They have to figure out how they're going to solve their problem with their all-star game. 
Now, they can ignore it and they can continue to ignore it. But there's going to come a day and it's going to come full circle where this is going to hurt them as a whole in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I think they're playing more so precautionary to where they think that the injury one day to a star player is going to be the thing that is the negative publicity or the negative uh, factor to the game. But the way they play it and the fact that it has no incentive and the fact that guys don't ever even want to be there, they run more risk of playing this two-hand touch and somebody getting hurt. They're gonna get they're gonna get blitzed way harder. Because you could really do without the two-hand touch that I just watched a couple days ago. That's what I'd be worried about. I'd be worried that while we're putting on this far miles, I mean miles, miles, miles away. An inferior product. We're putting this on. Someone can still get hurt. I could live with someone getting hurt trying. I can't live with someone getting hurt that's not trying. That part's going to look way worse. They would have a harder time presenting that to me. If Terry McLaurin runs out there and a non-contact injury blows his knee out. Because I'd have, I'd have the question more prevalent in my heart and, and, and pressing on the table is why was he playing in the first place? Why are any of these guys playing if you don't care about this game? And they don't. The game has no value. Not even entertainment value. That's the difference. Like you're not even putting on an entertaining product that has no value. So what's the solution? That's tough. My thought is honestly to do away with the game. Do away with the game. And I got this thought from what Stacks presented that the reason the game or anything that falls in that window of Immediately after playoffs and immediately before the Super Bowl is what's going to matter right there in that spot. You're going to be playing football that doesn't matter, and that's going to create a product that doesn't look good. That's unavoidable. So the first solution, the game has to have some form of merit. Second thing. I would name pro bowlers, those who deserve it, those who are all-stars in the sport, best at their positions, had the best season. I'd keep that the same. I'd keep voting a part of it. We would ceremoniously honor the actual pro bowlers per year. They could still come out. You get a very low turnout, I'll tell you that. And we're getting in the zone of throwing money around, but this is a hypothetical, so let's throw all the money around that we can. 
We'd incentivize the actual pro bowlers to the same incentives that they get now. Vacation for their families. They can bring their families. All expenses paid. And they can be honored for being the best players that year in their sport. Third thing, which is most important, the the on-the-field product. It's the most important part. So we're not playing the All-Stars. I think they should honestly play the two worst teams in the NFL for a right at the number one overall pick. I think that brings excitement back to the game. And granted, that's flawed. That's got some things in it. Imagine a quarterback who knows, you know, the number one overall pick is going to be another quarterback. Why would you want to go out there and and ball out for a guy to come take your job? Uh, We'll figure that stuff out. But in theory, I do think – like this year, uh, Jaguars played. Um, God, who else was bad? The Jets. Jaguars Jets would have been a few days ago, and the winning team, because that's the thing. The loser, they would just tank. They would just show up and tank. But the winning team is awarded the first overall pick. I solved the entertainment part. I got you one extra week of entertaining football, which you don't have right now if you're the league. Now, is that a perfect model? No. But the reason I even present that model, we got to start thinking of something. Have to before someone gets hurt. Before someone is lackluster, jogging around on that field, gets hit the wrong way, falls the wrong way, lands the wrong way, and gets hurt. Because that's, they're doing the game the way that they're doing and creating it and making it so unwatchable because of their fear of injury. But the reality is, if they're going to hold the game and host it, they're not eliminating the possibility of injury. They're, they're minimizing it. But that, I'm telling you, worst possible case scenario is someone goes out there, one of those all-stars goes out there and hurts themselves. That's what's going to get the game taken away. And they need to do something before the game is taken away. Because they'll do away with it. As soon as someone gets hurt, they're going to do away with that game. So, that was my thought for the Pro Bowl. Hold tight. I come back, I'm going to let you know why exactly the Bengals are going to win it all this year. Bet on me, host Flem. Niggas hold they tuck they tails cause they be scared. They be scared. And the hellcat on the E-way off the me. Off the me.
say his name inside this song, my bro say I been I see it. Niggas low key want that smoke, you do you been I see it. Get your ass back in that house, we got FNI9s. My credit. Flim, bet on me. You know what this music means. You know what this segment's been all year. About the romance over Joe Burrow, the Cincinnati Bengals. Man, they got the eye of the tiger. One game to go. Biggest games of their lives. Both clubs. They'll be taking on the L.A. Rams. Who in back-to-back years. Last year, Tampa Bay. Was able to play in their home stadium. Which had never been done before. Shot in the dark. Here come the Rams to do it the following year. So, here we go. Final game of the year. Two best left. And I went back and forth. All logic tells me. Rams will win this game. Vegas thinks Rams will win this game. Personnel tells me Rams will win this game. It's the worst possible matchup for the Bengals. From a glance, Rams do best, but the Bengals defend the worst. Rams are built. Even Pope, even before pre-Stafford. Rams are built to get after that passer. It's been their foundation. Pre-Sean McVay. That's their identity. And they got guys. They got two possible. Maybe four possible. Hall of Famers on that defensive side of the ball. Two in Von Miller and Aaron Donald. That specialize in getting after the passer. But even with that being the case, we've explained the rules, how we bet on this show. We don't believe defenses win games anymore. We think that statement's overrated. 
offenses win games. We fall too often into that. The defenses wins them. This is the classic scenario where you feel like, you know what? Rams, amazing line. They're just going to get after the Bengals. And I felt that a lot going into this week. Uh, just going into this game, man. I, I felt like, you know what? Bengals line, too bad. Rams line, too good. But, I mean, recently, I they're going to scheme that different. They're going to scheme it up different. And it's obvious. Like, it's obvious what the Rams are going to try to do. But the Rams can't win the game that way. I don't personally think. And this Bengals team, you'll never see this team again. And this is what pushed me over and and just let me just decide I'm going to put my money on the Bengals because of that. Because I looked at the stats and I looked at the Bengals and all the accomplishments that they made this season. And I came to the conclusion you'll never see this football team again. Not the Bengals. But any football team to do what this team was able to do this year. You'll never see another team. This team is an outlier. By all accounts, this team doesn't belong here in, in, in any... In no, This team doesn't belong here. You're going to go 100 years before you see a team do anything remotely similar to what this team is on the precipice of doing. To accomplish what this team has already accomplished. And then you're telling me they got one game in front of them? I couldn't pick against them. This is a once-in-a-lifetime team. And let me give you the stats to why this team is so unique. This team, you'll never see again. Bengals. It'll be the first quarterback matchup between two losing two uh, quarterbacks that have losing records for their career. Stafford has a career record of 86, 95, and 1. Burrow has a career record of 12, 13, and 1. Now let's start talking more specific about the Bengals. Bengals will be in their third ever Super Bowl. They lost both their previous appearances, once in 81, once in 88. One of those losses was to the football team. Go figure. Cincinnati, before this run, before this run, the two seasons before, the 19 season and the 2020 season. The Cincinnati Bengals were a combined 6 and 25 and 1. They were 6 25 and 1. No team in history has ever made a Super Bowl when their previous two seasons were that abysmal. 
No team in history. First reason they're an outlier. You think you're ever going to find a team that want to combine six games in two years and then the very next season you flip them to a Super Bowl? God, I wish I knew who had money on the Bengals. That, that season-long sweat, it's paying out. I'll tell you that much. Next fact. Bengals had won a playoff game prior to beating the Tennessee Titans. The Bengals had not won a playoff game in 30 years. 30 years this team hadn't won a playoff game. And they're in the Super Bowl. You won't see that again. You won't see a team historically crush the hump as soon as they make it back. Especially a team that, again, in the two years prior to the run they're on, only won six games. The comebacks, they've won every kind of way this year. They were down to the Kansas City Chiefs by the score 21-3 in the second quarter. They rallied to tie the largest comeback in AFC Championship game history. Guess who they tied? Hall of Famer Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. When he finally got over the hump and beat his rival Tom Brady in 2006. I remember that game. Manning finally beat the Patriots and went on to go to the Super Bowl and win it against the uh, Chicago Bears. So you got that. They've played four overtime games this season, most in a single season by that franchise's, and they've won them all. You can't count this team out. They beat the Chiefs in overtime, which doesn't happen. I can't continue to count this team out. I mean, Burroughs in rare company. Burroughs one of the few quarterbacks that's going to be able to start a national championship game in college and then also start in the Super Bowl. The company he's in, Cam Newton, Joe Namath, and Joe Montana. Two of those three guys got rings. I can't bet against this team. They're defying history. You'll never see a team like this again. You'll never see a team to go from this worst to possible first ever like this again. You're not going to find a three-win team 
That's going to spin it to the Super Bowl again. You're not. And if you do, it'll be because they didn't have their signal caller. But it's not going to be because you put together two seasons in a row of a subpar product. This team was abysmal. This team was a joke. And they're four quarters away right now from winning it all. It was a joke to say these guys were going to win it this year. Now look at them. They're 60 minutes away from making their dreams come true. So, give me the Bengals. Spreads four and a half. Favoring the, uh, the Rams. The matchup doesn't scare me as much as the Rams being at home. That's the only thing that really scares me. These two teams are almost identical on paper. Points per game, 27.1. Bengals, uh, Rams, 27.1. Points allowed per game. Bengals allowed 22.1. Rams allowed 21.9. These two, these two teams are almost identical in every facet. Yards per game, Bengals 385, uh, Rams 386. Passing yards per game, Bengals 282, Rams 287. I mean, come on, these two, these two teams are almost identical. Rushing yards, Bengals 102, Rams 99. Time of possession, Bengals do kill a lot more clock. They're sixth in the league in that category. Uh, Rams do not do well killing clock. They're actually 26th in that category. You get a little separation on third down percentage. Bengals are slightly, well, they are just worse. Bengals only uh, converting 49%. Uh, Rams are converting at a 44% clip, which is uh, Rams are seventh in the league. Bengals 16. Sacks is the most uh, glaring. And it'll come down to those fronts and how they're able to scheme around this amazing front that the Rams have. But Rams uh, total 50 sacks as a whole unit, third in the league. We all know about that line uh, that the Bengals have. If you've been watching, you don't need to be a football expert at all. And your grandma can understand this guy's in the backfield all the time chasing Burrow. You don't have to be a genius at all. But, I mean, you look at this game on paper, these two teams, are they're the same team. And I got faith that with two weeks, the Bengals can come up with something to win in spite of that line. I just can't bet against a team that looks destined to make history. That's made so much history on its way to this last moment. Writing's on the wall. Give me the Bengals. Give me the Bengals. 28. 28. 24. 
Give me the Bengals. 28-24. It's my prediction. We come back. Going to visit some of the all-time greatest rants. Sports history. Then we're going to funnel you over to close us out with our NBA segment. Stacks is going to deliver a great piece on the trade deadline. And why the Portland Trailblazers may have uh, go ahead and sealed their fate. And they may have put the nails in their own coffin. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss that. Don't go anywhere. Bet on me, your host, Flynn. Final segment for me. Stacks will take you the rest of the way. You're in good hands. I'm going to close you out here. I want to do a little, uh, little revisionist history. So I'm going to give you the first uh, clip that sparked me to doing this segment. So we got uh, Penny Hardaway, who was the new coach for the Memphis Tigers. So he's coaching the Memphis Tigers men's basketball team. And it's safe to say he's not doing so well. He's off to a rough start. And a reporter, as uh, when you're not doing so well, start to ask him some tough questions. The tough questions start coming in. This is his first gig. As a uh, major coach, I'm not sure his background in coaching. I don't think he had much experience. But this is definitely his first major gig. So here's the uh, post-game presser that uh, sparked this segment. This is Penny Hardaway. After being asked a few tough questions by the reporter, you'll be able to hear the questions. This is his reaction. Uh, let's go ahead and take a, take a listen to this. Get this done at Memphis. Yeah, that on a, in, a, in the first half like that when it's unfolding, is there? Is it embarrassing? And I think the one thing I can say to this media because this media gets kind of fucked up sometimes when it comes to me. We don't have our full roster. Y'all know we don't have our full roster. Stop asking me stupid fucking questions about if I feel like I can do something. If I had my roster like they did then I feel like I can do whatever I want to do. I'm coaching really hard. My boys are playing really hard. I'm not embarrassed about nothing. We have, we have four freshmen starting. Y'all need to act like it. Act like we got 17, 18, 19-year-olds out here trying to learn how to play against 22, 23, and 24-year-old guys. Come on, man. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Like, don't do that. 
I work too fucking hard. I work way too hard for that. Y'all write all these bullshit articles about me, and all I do is work. We got young kids on the floor. They got young kids on the floor. It's a quick turnaround going to Tulsa. Uh... So that's it. That's Penny Hardaway. Uh, peel him back, and then the rest of these will just be fun, uh, revisionist ones. First of all, man, you recruited that team. You recruited that team. It's your fault you got young kids on the floor. So let's start there. Second of all, he said what I decoded from that. Go ahead and give us a break. Give us a break for not being good. Don't do your job and ask me really tough questions. Understand, pre-lay out some excuses for us, and you do your due diligence to figure out why we're not that good. And you give me an easy time up here. Because right now all I'm doing is putting out a losing product. And I've never coached before at this level. So you asking me, is this too big of a situation for me? Is really offending me, but I don't think it should. I think it's a fair question. I think you come out looking as bad as you did, Penny. I don't know if you get to sit there and literally just curse everybody out for having real, legitimate questions. You put the kids together. You put the kids on the floor. You recruited those kids. No one, did, no one told you to go after one and dones. That was you. You wanted one and dones. You wanted a young team. And then you sit there and you use that as an excuse. So, that's my interpretation of that. Uh, sounds like a sore loser. The wording of the question, it's it, it set up to poke a bear. It is. Uh... But I didn't think the question was out of line in any way. Was it a tough question? Yes. It's, it's tough to ask. It's, it's tougher to answer. But the question was in bounds. Like, the, the question was no way. There was no way just left field. I mean, you've never coached at this level. You're doing really bad at it. Do you think you're in over your skis? And then here he comes with the built-in excuses. Well, we're a young club. Well, you know we're a young club. Well, let me get all my best players. Look, that's where the coach, honest to God, man, you're, you're responsible for coaching that whole roster, not the top half of it. Your job is not to just coach the stars. Say, oh, if we had our stars, we'd be a good team. Your job is to coach the guys that are ready to play. That's your job. And to get the best out of the guys that are ready to play. So, with that, we're going to revisit some of the best sports rants in history. I like sports rants. You never know when they're coming. You never know. So, we're going to visit some of the best times athletes and coaches just melted down. Couldn't take the heat. I don't want to talk about it. Golf tournament for practice, right? Twelve cats live across the road. Our doors open. Screens broke. We need to get a new screen. So this one's an analogy, just to let you know. This is an analogy. Here you go. This is uh, the head coach from Crystal Carolina uh, basketball team. 
kitty cat. By that time, the cat turns, tries to get back out. That screen won't go that way. Cat starts going all crazy. And I told our players, we need more dogs. Bo's barking in the back. I have to go shut Bo up. Mel's like, what's going on? I said, it's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. So I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. The cat's still going crazy in there. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. If I could determine what the hell he's going to look like. I love that sound bite of be a dog. We don't need no cats. <laughs> love that sound bite. That was a close of, that was coach. Uh, his name is escaping me. Uh, Coastal Carolina. They just came off a devastating loss, but he, uh, he's basically just telling his players, man, we need tougher players. He was using an analogy to get there, but weird. He's meowing. I mean, but weird, the whole thing. But uh, it makes the all-time list because it's just a good sound bite. I mean, we don't need no dogs. I mean, I'm sorry, we don't need no cats. We need dogs. We don't need no meows. So this one, um, this one is from the Arizona Cardinals coach. Uh, his name's escaping me. He's been out of the game so long. But uh, uh, Dennis Green. That's him. Dennis freaking Green. And that they are who we thought they were. Uh, many of you will know this. This is the they are who we thought they were. Epic rant. Bears, uh, we shut them down that way. No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, let's, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull? We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Epic, epic, epic moment. The Bears are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. So if you want to crown them, then you crown their ass. <sighs> that one that one speaks for itself. Dennis had they had a terrible showing against the Bears. Bears ran all up and down the field on them. And you get Dennis at a podium. Still has his coaching hat on. Uh that one was tough for Dennis. Uh, but he'll, he'll forever be known for that moment and that exploding moment where he let the media know that the Bears are exactly who the fuck he thought they were. They played them in the preseason. And if you want to crown them, some bitches, you go ahead and crown them, but he won't. So next clip, I think everyone knows this clip. Classic. It's not a rant per se, uh, but I, I love the subtleness that he's able to deliver this with. All-time classic. This is the Allen Iverson. We talking about practice. That I miss practice. If, 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 if a coach say I miss practice and y'all hear it, then that's that. I mean, I might have missed one practice this year. But if, if somebody say he doesn't come to practice, it can be one practice. Out of all the practices this year, that's enough. If I can't practice, I can't practice, man. I'm hurt, I'm hurt. I mean, simple as that. 
It ain't about that. I mean, it's, it's not about that. That's funny to me. It ain't about that. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's easy to, to, to talk about. It's easy to sum it up when you just talk about practice. We sitting here, I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that, man? We're talking about practice. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. I know that. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't mean anything. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? We're talking about practice, man. We're, talk we're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? You see me give everything I got, right? Absolutely. But we talking about practice right now. But it's an issue that you're coaching. We talking about practice. Man, look, I hear you. I, it's funny to me, too. I, I mean, it's strange, it's strange to me, too. But we talking about practice, man. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We talking about practice. <laughs> so that's the, yeah, that's the classic Allen Iverson. We talking about practice. What we talking about. Man, we talking about practice, not the game. Little deflective, uh, but at the same time, hard for me not to feel him. That's when he couldn't coach by Larry Brown. Larry's got to do something. He's trying to pop back at his uh his major star, so he goes ahead and he does. He tries to do the Phil Jackson where he coaches through the media. Uh, just doesn't land the same. So, uh, we're gonna speed through the rest of these. Uh. So this one, Jim Mora. These will be two comps from Jim Mora. This is not the one you may think of playoffs. Not necessarily that one in here. Uh, Jim Mora had way, uh, not way better, but he, he had some good rants. Jim Mora, early Peyton Manning, he didn't like him. He was pissed. Here we go, Jim Mora. Second game, we got our ass kicked. Or the second half, we just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly offensively we couldn't make a first down we couldn't run the ball we didn't try to run the ball we couldn't complete a pass we sucked the second half we sucked we couldn't stop the run every time they got the ball and went down and got points we got our ass totally kicked in the second half that's what it boiled down to it was a let me stop him there real quick this is my favorite Jim Moore far over playoffs we couldn't do diddly poo was my first quote that I loved. The second one is every time they touched the ball, they went down and scored. <laughs> I mean, Jim, this is an underrated Jim take. But here we go. Here's the rest of it. Performance in the second half. Or I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. Coaching, our, our, our coaching did a horrible job. The players did a horrible job. We got our ass kicked in that second half. It sucked. It stunk. Well, I'll start off by saying this. Do not blame that game on the defense, okay? Oh, I don't care man. Who you 
quick and quick uh, insight. So this is another take from Jim. I told Jim is on fire. He has a lot of takes besides playoffs. He is burying Peyton Manning for five turnovers in that game. He said, "Don't you talk about my defense at all." The problem is, is that that young rookie hotshot quarterback you got out there that's quote unquote a gunslinger. That's the problem. He's going to rip into Peyton Manning. Whether it's a high school team, a junior college team, a college team, much less an NFL team, when you turn the ball over five times, four interceptions, one for a touchdown, three others in field position to set up touchdowns, you ain't going to beat anybody I just talked about. Anybody. All right? And that was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. We threw that game. We gave it away by doing that. We gave them the friggin' game. In my opinion, that sucked. Uh, you know, you can- that take. He is coaching a young Peyton Manning through the media. He could some some other quarterbacks that didn't have the pedigree of Peyton Manning. Some guys couldn't take that. It's some guys that would have totally crumped. You do that to Dwayne Haskins, man, you lose him. Now, granted, he couldn't play anyway. But my point is, you do that to weak-minded guys, man, you'll cripple them. Moore was playing with fire, man. I mean, he was playing with fire. Because he he held no cards. He blamed that loss totally on Manny. Here we go. Can't turn the ball over five times like that. Holy crap. I don't know who the hell we think when we are when we do something like that. Unbelievable. Five turnovers. One of them for we've we've thrown four interceptions for touchdowns this year. That might be an NFL record. That's pitiful. I mean, it's absolutely pitiful to to perform like that. Pitiful. What's that? Here's more more. Uh, playoffs. Don't talk about it. playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. I just hope we can win a game. Let me say this about Jim Moore. He hated. The Indianapolis Colts. I mean, he hated the Indianapolis Colts. What's up, America? He hated the Indianapolis Colts. The way he stood up on this podium several times and threw this young team under the bus had nothing for him. It was just flat out amazing. He threw them to the wolves. I mean, he had nothing for this club. Absolutely nothing for this club. So we'll switch sports. Uh, we're going to go to hockey this time. This is the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, John, John, oh, John Torinella. Uh, John Torinella, head coach of the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. You'll hear it. You'll hear the awkwardness. Uh, there's a one particular reporter that's asking him hard questions. John doesn't want to answer them. You'll hear it. Here it goes. We know what we did. We know what we did. What did you do? Next question. What did you do? And you know what you did. What did you think? Next question. Brooksy, if I want to explain it to you, I would. Next question. Anything about Bordeaux's play tonight? I don't coach Bordeaux. I coach this hockey team in Tampa. That was a decision to dress. Oh, he's spicy. Was that pre-planned going in? To dress him? To dress him and not play him? No, 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 no. I just, I got into a flow. I lost him in the first period. And, um, you know, that's what happens. When you don't play well, that's what happens. You get put on the outside, and I lost him in the first, and so I just didn't go back to it. Let me jump in here to give you a little context. He is throwing. He threw that player under the bus. They asked, they asked about Boudreaux. Uh, he just let you know, like, Boudreaux didn't play well starting out. He says, I lost him. What that means is I put his ass on the bench, and I didn't put him back in the game for the rest of the uh, – I didn't put him back on the ice for the rest of the damn game. 
Uh, so that's translation to that one. And then uh, you hear early on where he ignores the reporter's question. Here's the part, though, where the reporter is going to circle back. What's that? Johnny McClain? You should ask him. Ooh, that's spicy. I guess that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. You get that through your head? I guess so. Yeah. And it's kind of a waste of time. Oh, then get the fuck out of here then. Okay, see ya. Next question. John, was that the end of the game about... Ooh, John's spicy. John is mad. He told a reporter to go ahead and get the fuck out of here. The reporter's really doing his job. Uh, this is one of my favorites. Uh, Chevin, I'm sorry, Chevin. <laughs> Kevin Borseth, Uh he's the head coach for uh, the women's uh, Michigan basketball team. Long story short, he's going to tell you why he's mad. I don't even need to need to do a preliminary. He's about to tell you why the fuck he's mad. That's how I feel. Damn sick and tired of getting out rebounded. 25 offensive rebounds. First time we block out, we get called for a damn block out. We're pushing people. Meanwhile, they're on the other court grabbing rebounds, going over the top and grabbing them. We get one offensive rebound, the other we get called for over the back. We, we don't block out very damn well, and we're not getting called one or the other. That's where I'm frustrated. That's where my whole frustration comes in, offensive rebounds. The entire thing came down to offensive rebound. They got every offensive rebound, and we didn't get one of them. What else do you want to know? Was it, is it just me? Am I the only one? It came down to offensive rebounds. The whole game was offensive rebounds. Krista Clement blocks out, gets called for blocking out. Krista Phillips goes up for our only offensive rebound in the second half, gets it over the back call. Meanwhile, they're getting rebounds like they're going out of style. I'll bet any money I go back to that videotape and watch, and there's a lot of shoving going on. We didn't get one damn call the entire game. So the idea of this game is to recruit football players and move them around that basket and get rebounds. I should have played a little more muscle. as what I should have done. It's so frustrating. You have no idea how frustrating it is to play a half of basketball we did and come back in the second half and just totally, 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 totally lay an egg on the glass. Was after the game, was I mad? Yes. Did I exp- express to them I was mad? I was furious. Just- All right, I'm going to start mowing through these. Uh, but that is the, the meat of, of Kevin's uh, outbreak. I mean, he is uh, – this one I got to do. It's classic. It's Mike Ditka. Uh, this one's classic. Uh, uh, Dick is pissed. He's getting uh, questions from Bears Media. Here we go. Come on. Or I'm going to go in now. So if you don't. What? Doesn't matter which one run. There'll be a quarterback that'll be named next week that'll be the starter. There's three quarterbacks on this football team. Whichever one starts, starts. Whichever ones don't, we'll back him up. Period. Cut and dried. It's nobody's concern but ours. Nobody's. Next. Injuries from the uh, game. Talk to the trainer. Next. Mike, why are you in such a bad mood? What do you care? Okay. If you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood, too. What next? Mike, is this more like a training camp type practice as opposed to a regular season? Yes. Next. Um, Not very much fun, is it? No? No. All right. I'll see you guys then. That's two and seven Mike Ditka walking out of the interview after giving every reporter in that room uh, just what they could handle. Uh, other honorable mentions, um, Oklahoma University, Oklahoma State University coach, uh, I'm a man, I'm 40. 
That one's classic. Richard Sherman, when he tells uh, Skip Bayless that he's better at life than him while on uh, first take. That one is, whew, that one's hard to watch because it's, it's cringeworthy. I mean, it's cringeworthy. Just to spin out a little basketball, here's Rick Patino before he exits the uh, NBA, no heads back to Louisville. Here's Rick Patino losing his shit with Boston media. Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. What we are is young, exciting, hardworking, and going to improve. People don't realize that. And as soon as they realize that those three guys are not coming through that door, the better this town will be for all of us. Because they're young guys in that room playing their off. I wish we had 90 million under the salary cap. Wish we could buy the world. We can't. The only way we can do is work hard. That's Patino just saying, get the fuck off my back. I got young players playing as hard as they can. And those old players that you're used to, and all that winning that was going on here in Boston, you got to take a seat back because this is something called a rebuild. So uh, that's that. Um, yeah, one more I want to give you. I want to give you the Bart Scott because that's all. That's one of my all-time favorites. Let me give you this Bart Scott uh, and then close you out on the Richard Sherman. Uh, and yeah, so here we go with Bart Scott with Trey Wingo. To all the non-believers. I'm sorry, Sal Powell, Antonio. Especially you, Tom Jackson. Way to have our back, Keyshawn. You got to like Bart Scott here. He's calling people out. So how did that Bart watched. Hold on. Let me, let me start Bart over real quick. Bart watched the pregame and watched nobody pick him. You got to love this rant. To all the non-believers. Especially you, Tom Jackson. Way to have our back, Keyshawn. Anybody can be beat. So how did that just feel? Felt great. Poetic justice. We know we were a much better team than we came up and represented ourselves. And we were, we were pissed off. We was ready to come back and show what kind of defense, what type of team this was, what kind of character we had. We take a lot of slack. People gave us no chance. Like, we barely made it in playoffs. We're a good football team. It looks like this team played with anger all day. Why, Bart? For all you non-believers, disrespect us, talk crap about the defense like we ain't the third best defense in the league. All we hear is about their defense. They can't stop a nosebleed, 25th in the league, and we the one to get disrespected. Congratulations. See you in Pittsburgh. Can't wait. All-time classic line, can't wait. All right, here we go. Richard Sherman, close us out. Uh, after this, you'll be hearing the voice of Stacks from the Stacks Lowry podcast. He'll take you home. Appreciate him sending the segment over. Uh, appreciate doing the unified segment. Got to do a ton more of these. Um, all it does is make the show better. All it does is make the show more diverse. This is the last you'll hear from me. Tune in post Super Bowl. We'll see how my Bengals pick did. We'll be back. We'll be talking baseball uh, after the Super Bowl. We'll be talking hockey, which will be in full form flex mode, and then we'll be right in the thick of the NBA season. Bet on me, your host, Flem, after Sherman. Get ready for stacks. Get
try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Who was talking about you? Crabtree, don't you open your mouth about the best. Or you're going to set it for you real quick. L.O.B. All right, before... And Joe, F back over to you. Funniest part to that for me is he almost said that nigga Crabtree. <laughs> he literally called himself. He was so hype. He almost said, man, who... When, when Aaron Andrews asked him, well, who was talking about you, Richard? Man, it, you literally see it on his face. He, he catches himself from saying, man, that nigga Crabtree. <laughs> Epic. Um, to be honest, though, uh, just to put you on to something, the best part of that is not even the one that got caught with Aaron Andrews. It's when he got caught uh, when they asked him how he felt about the win. And uh, his response was, if they had told me Michael Crabtree uh, would have been guarding me, I would have been guarding him for the game-winning play. I would have told my team to put the hats on early. My favorite part. Look, Stack's coming up. Stay tuned. Great segment. He's going to bring you out on the NBA. Close us out. Bet on me, host Flim. Get ready for stacks up next. Hey, what you got going let's on, go, man? Let's go, let's go. Yeah. Back of the fan and then give me some hit. Ain't got no purple, then give me some red. Yeah. 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 Your nick pass, make a slack. Nigga, know I back out there, turn the pack out. Big boy, scraping up fenders. I was in the trap house, chilling with the Mac out. Gang gave me my members. Nigga, we ain't told no sticks around here. Just glitch around here with extenders. Nigga, don't take no pics around here. Everybody on ferocious sensor. I got a check, fell in love with it. I got a neck, for the hell of it. Money, respect, get it colony. Come to the low block like an elephant. What's up, y'all? Stacks here. Uh, if you're hearing my voice, that means you're tuned into the dynamic uh, sports radio experience that is the Bet On Me podcast. And I'm here to give a little reactionary to some NBA free agency. NBA free, uh, not free agency, I'm sorry, NBA trade deadline. Um, it's a lot going on. Uh, a lot that's still going on uh, I want to give a shout out to the Bleacher Report app Always keeping you updated uh, I don't understand how anybody in this day and age Doesn't have these apps installed on their phone You're getting by the minute information Directly to the palm of your hand uh, I don't know It's so funny these days When you're saying things to people oh, Guess what just happened They should already know Anytime I get a text in the group message of something going on It's more commentary on how I feel about it Not necessarily informing me that it happened Because they know I'm getting the same information To the palm of my hand at light speed Like everybody else on the planet I can say I can thank the internet age for that That was a step forward I feel like I thank the internet age for that But what I want to talk about Is one NBA trade In particular uh, I'm going to talk about We're going to talk about all of them uh, I'm going to Not going to punch Flim up But uh, next time we get him in the studio We can talk a little bit about 
NBA the trade deadline that'll be in the past at that point in time, but we can still chop it up about that. I want to just the Portland Trail Blazers trade CJ McCollum. This is the trade they they sent CJ McCollum uh, to the Pelicans, and I don't believe I'm not sure. Correct, there may be have been another team involved, but essentially they they sent CJ McCollum to the Pelicans, and in return they essentially got Josh Hart and some picks. And the report is that Portland's plan now, after trading CJ McCollum, is to go after big name talent. They now have 60 mil in cap space. I think they freed 21 by dropping McCollum, shipping McCollum off. And their plan now is to go after high-end free agents and big names to surround Dame with for a championship push. And the only thing I can possibly think of to say to that, the very first thing that came to my mind while reading this, this came across to my Bleacher Report app this morning as I'm driving home from the gym. I'm in the middle of traffic. When I get this update, um, my eyebrows my eyebrows almost flew off my damn face because the only thing I could think of was Portland ain't getting no damn free agents. Are you are you kidding me, Portland? Are you kidding me? Your plan now, after shipping off the number two guy, is to now, now after shipping the number two guy off, now we got money for big name guys. In nine years, in nine years that this guy that you shipped off was there, you have not secured one big name guy. And I'll go even farther and ask, when in the history of ever has Portland secured any big name guy in free agency? What free agents go to the Portland Trailblazers? Tell me. I want somebody to tell me the last all-star player that went to the Portland Trailblazers in free agency. You had Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, and that was not enough to attract somebody to the Portland Trailblazers. So now... You think by shipping McCollum away and being able to offer more money that that was the problem. Oh, we, we figured it out. Nine years, we haven't been able to make a splash, but we figured it out. The problem is we don't have enough money to pay people. We need, we need to pay somebody else more. That's got to be the solution. I mean, who is in this front office? That thinks that this is a viable plan to success. And this is where, I mean, I think this is a great look at too, where, where loyalty, man. Uh, uh, J. Cole, J. Cole has a record, man. He has a song called Sea World. And in that song, he he has a line where he says, either you play the game or let the game play you and be that broke motherfucker talking about I stayed true. Uh, if that doesn't describe Dame Lillard to a T, because, I mean, what are you doing, man? You got to get out of there. It's a great expose in how people are only as loyal as their options are. 
You look at a team like the Los Angeles Lakers or somebody, you know, that's a, that's a team with options. We dictate who comes and plays for L.A. You know, everybody wants to play for L.A. We decide who gets that privilege. It's a place people always want to go. They're always going to want to go. So they can't be in the business of necessarily being loyal. Because we have options. We're going to do what's best for us. They shipped off Shaq. Why? Because we believe the guy that comes in the gym every single day working his ass off uh, is probably the guy we want to stick with. So we're going to cut the other one loose. Because we're the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll attract some other talent. This guy's a Hall of Famer. But because he's beefing with the other Hall of Famer that we're more inclined to keep, we're going to cut him loose because we know we can get other guys. But when the situation is reversed, it just looks it just looks silly. It just looks silly when the situation is reversed. Because here you have the Trailblazers organization that is so loyal today. They're offering them all the money they can. They're 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 plan is to go after big name free agents in the offseason they're doing all of this why because they are they don't have options they have to be loyal to dame they have to say we're not willing to trade dame because what do we have if we do nobody is coming here all of their all of their talent has been they have to they have to do they have to be the cincinnati Bengals. they just have to draft their asses off it's the only way Portland is going to do anything. And the idea that a Dame Lillard in his 30s is going to hang around for that, I mean, I don't know. It just, it just boils down to the type of guy you are, I guess. Because you, you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo. They just want a, a ring. He's all over the internet talking about how I did it the right way. I didn't team hop. I did it the right way, you know. But when, when they ask him about signing a contract extension, they talk about his future in Milwaukee, all of a sudden he gets real vague. He, gets, he starts to get real spotty. You know, we'll, we'll see. You know, we'll, 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 we'll see what the future holds. I'll, I'll stay here right now, and then we'll see what happens. You know, he's real, he's real noncommittal about the rest of his career in Milwaukee. Because Milwaukee's another place where you're not getting free agents. Guys don't want to play in Milwaukee. They don't want to play there. So, I don't know, man. I just don't know what Portland is thinking. I don't know what Dame is thinking. I do know what Portland is thinking. I know exactly what Portland is thinking. I just don't understand what Dame is thinking at this point because, I mean, they just don't have anything to offer. They, they don't have anything to offer. It's like, it's like the marriage. You tell your wife... I, I want to have a kid and your wife goes out and buys you a new goes out and buys you a new a new Bentley doesn't even buy you a new Bentley your wife takes your car this 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 is the equivalent you tell your wife you want to have a kid and then her response is to take your car go trade it in and then tell you I'm going to buy you a Ferrari <laughs> that's what the equivalent is they, you, you had you, you wanted a little bit more and you took something I had, and you're promising me something better. 
but it doesn't really seem likely. McCollum was the only guy with a pulse there all these seasons. You took him away, and you say we're gonna we're gonna replace him with something better. We're gonna give you more. And you have a track record of never doing that in the history of ever. So mm-hmm. it's kind of hard. Kind of hard to see uh, with Dame Lillard. I wonder I, to, to be a fly on the wall in one of Dame Lillard's personal conversations with his homies right now. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall because I don't know. If you ask me, uh, CJ McCollum got the better end of that trade. He's now with uh, the oft-injured Zion Williamson. Uh, who knows what the fuck's going on with that saga. But he's also got Brandon Ingram there. Had a chance to... Uh, I mean, really let his nuts hang out. Not too many. I mean, what are you really expecting from the Pelicans? These guys, you know, their their star rookie has a weight problem. I mean, what's going on over there? You know, not a whole bunch of eyes, I don't think. I think he's going to be able to at least put up 20 per, you know. Maybe get to a level of consistency he wasn't able to attain playing next to a guy like Dame Lillard. Uh, I don't know. I just think C.J. McCollum got the, the better end of that deal because you need to get you need to get out of Portland. You need to get out of Portland, man. You need to get out of Portland because you're just doing things that don't make sense right now and uh, shit that's not going to happen. Um, rolling on in the NBA talk, uh, I had a funny take. I had a funny take. Ben Simmons. <sighs> and again, we're going to do a deeper dive into Ben Simmons uh, when we can get Flem in the studio or I can get, you know, we can get the host of the bet on me in the studio. We're going to do a deep dive into Ben Simmons, but you just scraped the surface. Ben Simmons, you know the saga. You know what's going on with him. Uh, there's talks of a Simmons to, for Harden trade. Uh, I don't know. That's another topic I'd love to talk about uh, when we get Flim, when I get on here with Flim about the, the situation going on in Brooklyn. Uh, wow, you guys, it's falling apart, and they haven't even, it's just started and it's falling apart. Uh, it's remarkable, but... They don't seem willing to trade Harden, despite Harden seems to be looking to uh, leave. Uh, so the deal between a, a Harden for Ben Simmons trade does not appear to be happening. Uh, I say this on February 6th, so you don't know. Don't quote me. We'll see what happens. But February 6th, um, or the 8th, excuse me, doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Uh, and I was just thinking, man, Ben Simmons, uh, he should come to D.C. <laughs> he should come to D.C., man. Ben Simmons should come to D.C. And I say that because Ben, uh, what Ben Simmons and the 76ers have going on right now, after he signed that fat boy contract experience, it, Excuse me. Fat boy contract extension is a textbook sports bad marriage. It's a textbook bad marriage. It's a marriage that's gone bad. You're on the books for all these years. There's all this pressure and weight on it, and the relationship has reached an in, irreconcilable point. You know, it's, it's a bad marriage. And he's a young guy. Way too young to be having a bad marriage. So, you know, so young. You think you think of youth. You think there's life. There's lots you guys can do, like, you know. How is it so bad already at this young age? And Washington sports clubs specialize in bad marriages. 
I mean, we do. If you look at the history of our football team, our basketball team, I won't even say Washington. I'll say Washington football team and basketball team because we're 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 good. We're good everywhere else. Baseball, hockey. Uh, you know, we're competitive. We're we're our, our hockey. I, I really wish I was a. A, a super gung-ho hockey guy Where I really was behind baseball Because I mean we're great on those fronts Competitive Somebody to watch out for Somebody to respect Somebody to game plan for Somebody to watch film on We're competitive in those areas But um Football and basketball We're just We're just We're just the The hopeless romantic Looking for love And just We're just in Just in these bad marriages man And it's like you know, you look at the Wizards. That's all, the Wizards will take anybody. Will take anybody that wants us. That's the requirement. That's the requirement to come play ball here in DC. You just gotta want us. John Wall didn't take us nowhere, but he gave us what eighteen per, some dimes, and he wanted to be here. <laughs> he claimed us. He claimed he, he it's my city. He claimed us. He wanted to be here. We had a star we drafted and he wanted to be here and that's just good enough for us. It's good enough for us. We had aspirations for more, but it's good enough for us. That's just the how you can you can beat us up, you can talk shit to us, you cheat on us, you can hang out wherever, you can do all this stuff, but as long as you open your mouth and say you want us, we're happy to have you. Bradley Beal, case in point. Bradley Beal turned down a contract extension uh, four years, $181 million because he wants to become a free agent in which then he would garner a five-year maximum contract uh, worth of $235 million. That's what Bradley Beal is seeking. Bradley Beal shoots under 40% from the three-point line. Now he's averaging 28 per His best season he averaged 31 per Still was 34.9% from the three point line I say that to say Washington With Bradley Beal or without Bradley Beal Is not competing for anything We've got Kyle Kuzma Uh, We're not doing too much We're weak on the inside we're just, we're just not a basketball club doing anything right now. We're in a total rebuild. We're not competing. Paying a guy $235 million to stay on your team that's not going to compete, really, is a textbook example of, I just want you to be with me. I just don't want you to leave me. I'm not ambitious about the future. <laughs> Just please don't leave. <laughs> I know I'm not going anywhere. I know nothing's going to change. I know it's not going to get better. But just please don't leave. <laughs> but that's who we are as a sports team. That's who we are as a fan base. Because as I, as I, as I, as I say that on this microphone right now, in my heart of hearts, um... I don't want to see Bradley Beal go anywhere. <laughs> I really don't want to see him go anywhere. 
But the ambitious move for a club that's not competing for anything would be to try to shop him for a haul. Because right now, he's netting a haul. The product has never been uh, hotter. It's never been hotter. I can name quite a few NBA clubs that could use the services of one Bradley Beal right now. But, you know, as long as you want to be with us, uh, we don't want you to go anywhere. Ben could come here if he plays well. And that's the thing about Ben. It all circles around him playing at least moderately well. That's that's No matter what scenario happens for Ben, he has to return to basketball putting up at least, you know, 18, 18, and, and 18 and 7. Be that seven boards or seven dimes, you know, something of that magnitude. He's got he's gotta give you at least that. He would you can't go back to Philly with that. You can't go back to Philly with 18 and 7. You can't. After all the stuff that's happened, after the way Joel Embiid's playing right now, he can't go back to Philly with 18 and 7. He can't. You can come to DC with 18 and 7, though. <laughs> you give us 18 and 7, we'll treat you like a god. <laughs> you give me a playoff berth, maybe? What? Niggas were ready to niggas were ready to embrace Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we are we're just basketball on the football side. We got that trashy ass wife that we just won't leave. And on the basketball side, we just want to be loved so badly that we'll embrace anything. A franchise like that is not going to turn its back on Ben Simmons. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know. They say Harden's not going to resign. Philly, Philly is really aggressive about this. Harden for Simmons trade uh, just looks crazy. I don't know if James Harden goes to the James Harden of old paired with a Joel Embiid. Uh, that's a championship containing roster. Potentially that's a big, big move, but who knows if that'll, you know, who knows? Cause Harden in the playoffs historically has not been there. Uh, ben Simmons. How does Ben Simmons fit into a team with Kyrie Irving sometimes and Kevin Durant sometimes? Uh, I don't know. The NBA landscape is crazy. It's crazy right now. But one thing, uh, I do know for certain is Portland is not getting no damn free agents. <laughs> it's not happening. It's not happening. Uh, another subject still in NBA trade talks, trade deadline coming coming up. LeBron James. It's a perfect example of a statement that I've always held near and dear to my heart. I've always said the thing about being a real real niggas seldom brag about being real niggas for the one simple fact that the thing about being a real nigga it's almost always inconvenient every now and then you reap the rewards from being a real nigga I can think on, on, on one hand about maybe four or five times I reap the rewards 
for being a real nigga. I was a real nigga, and something great happened to me because for no better reason than I did the real nigga thing, and something great happened to me. But I can think about 20 to 25 times, man, it was a massive inconvenience or pain in the fucking ass to be a real nigga. And that's what sets you apart is because you're still one on those times when it's just not really fun. And that's where LeBron James is at right now. That's where LeBron James is. Uh, He was asked. uh, He was asked about free agency and what the Lakers need to do and he said something to I'm paraphrasing but it was something to the tune of um I think uh you know if there's a chance to get better you've always got to explore that you know you look at what the Rams did they made a move and went out and got a a guy like Odell and you know look how that turns out so you know I think you always have to explore options to get better but you know if it doesn't work out or it doesn't happen then you 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 keep rocking with what you got you keep going when you go and to me that was the most real nigga response because it is so obvious so painfully obvious who needs to be traded uh, on that team what needs to happen? It's so obvious. But that's not what a real nigga does. That wouldn't have been, that's not real of him to even hint at anything of that nature. No matter how badly it's probably on his mind, like, wow. I was just trying to support the guy, but playing with him, Jesus. I see what Durant was dealing with. I feel bad for... They talked about Durant like a dog, but Jesus Christ, it's hard to win with this guy. But he coughed up a real nigga response. Uh, Not necessarily a a big deal or a huge highlight, but it was just something that stood out to me. I was like, man, LeBron James is a real nigga, man. He's a real nigga. How do y'all? How does everybody hate this guy so much, man? He's, a, he's, a, he's just a real. He's a, he's a real nigga, man. I feel like Jordan would have hinted that this nigga need to go. <laughs> Jordan wouldn't have said nothing by name, but he would have been like, "Man, we need we need better play at the point guard position." <laughs> I don't know if Jordan would go that hard. Um, maybe he would. I don't know if he was that fed up. I don't see him keeping his mouth shut when 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 Pope so directly because you know what they wanted, LeBron James. Why are you asking LeBron James about the trade deadline? Is LeBron James the D the GM? See the head coach. Why are you asking a player about the who you know is not getting traded about his feelings on the trade deadline? I mean, come on. I don't know. Guess he's bigger than basketball, but. Uh, had some other things I was going to talk about. I'm going to get on out of here. We'll just speed through them. Uh, uh, OBJ got his uh, contract in Bitcoin. I don't know if y'all ever heard about that, but uh, Bitcoin took a slapper. I hear it's been in the dumpster, man. That contract apparently is worth a lot less than what it would have been if he had just took good old cash money. But uh, OBJ's got a brand. Uh, I'm sure he's doing all right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the postseason. Is he not Kirk Cousins? Uh, <laughs> he goes from Hall of Fame guy to Kirk Cousins in the postseason. It's a wild phenomenon. Uh, we'll explore that later. I guess that could be a teaser because uh, Aaron Rodgers is definitely Flynn's guy. So I would love to hear his take on Aaron Rodgers' postseason 
uh, escapades. Uh, I'm going to leave you on this. I'm going to leave you on this. This is what I'm going to close out on. <sighs> Brian Flores. I don't know if you guys know. He has a lawsuit against the NFL right now. Uh, I'm going to read you a statement made from his attorneys. And then I'm going to tell you why I feel like Brian Flores. I, I watched the interview. I'm going to read a statement from his attorneys. And I'm going to tell you why. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a, you know, you know me. I'm a definitely a super pro black guy. And, you know, the black coaching disparity in the NFL. And the NFL is a complicated subject. And me and Flynn are going to talk about that here uh, on the bet on me. But what I will say is this. The guy I saw give that interview, uh, just being transparent, didn't sound like a guy I would want to hire to coach my football team. And something he did something today that uh, made me double down on that. And I'm going to read you this statement from his attorneys. Mr. Flores is happy to hear the Texans have hired a black head coach, Lovey Smith, as Mr. Flores' goal in bringing his case to provide real opportunities for black and minority candidates to be considered for coaching and executive positions within the NFL. However, however, we would be remiss not to mention that Mr. Flores was one of three finalists for the Texans head coaching position, and after a great interview and mutual interest, it is obvious that the only reason Mr. Flores was not selected was his decision to stand up against racial inequality across the NFL. I don't know about you, but when I read that, what I hear is... Brian Flores basically endorsing a statement that says that, hey, man, you're a good coach and all, but let's be real. Only reason you got that job is because I'm doing something bigger. It's the only reason you got this. The only reason they hired that nigga is because I chose to do this. But we all know that I was the real man for the job, and I was the one that was going to get the job. Essentially sandbagging another black man. Uh, receiving a job. That's what I'm hearing. It's sandbagging. It's sand. It's textbook. Black man sandbagging another black man. Congratulations for congratulations, bro. But I'm really happy for you. But because I because I decided to sue this league and showed what type of person I am. That's why I didn't get the job. Because I did some things that probably don't make me a likable guy. I didn't get the job. I just don't understand why a statement like that had to be made. Why couldn't you just congratulate Lovey Smith on securing a head coaching job and say that's what you love to see and you'd like to see more of it? Why did you have to involve the hiring of a black coach into this uphill battle you have going on against the people you feel have wronged you? Why would you endorse a statement like this? Pulling another black man down. Brian Flores is a dick. I'm going to say that with some bass in my voice, man. Flores is a dick, man. This is the type of shit I hate to see, man. It gets, it's this type of shit that makes my blood boil. Because isn't this the whole point? Isn't this what you want to see? You made a choice to do this. And you knew it would cost you consideration. 
So when the another black man gets the job, say congratulations, black man. Don't smear your shit all over what he's got going on. Personally, I'm not even crazy about the Lovey Smith hire. I think Lovey Smith is a retread. He's a defensive guy in an offensive league. I don't think Lovey Smith is the answer. But I would never shit on a black man getting paid. Especially when your whole gripe is about black guys getting paid. What is your gripe, Brian Flores? What is your gripe, Brian Flores, that you want to pull a black man down getting a job? You're full-on Kaepernick at this point. You want to shit on the same people you want to pay you. In what world does that work? In what world do you get to go into your boss's office, drop your goddamn drawers, and take a shit on his desk, and then ask him for an advance? Like, I don't understand these guys. I don't understand. You knew when you filed that lawsuit that it was it. You were making a choice. You're a lawsuit filer. Why would one of these white men hire a black guy who's slinging lawsuits? This is a boys club. You know the NFL is a boys club. Let's be honest. It doesn't make it right, but you know where you're at and you know what you're doing. You know what building you're in and you know who you're swimming with. So knowing the consequences of your actions, the fact you decided to bring another black man down in Lovey Smith. I don't know, man. Uh, Brian Flores, you are a dick. <laughs> and that's all I got, man. Bet on me.